Welcome to B2B Marketers on a Mission, a podcast for change makers where we question the conventional, debunk marketing myths, provide actionable tips, think differently, disrupt industries, and take your marketing to a new level. From improving your campaigns to making you a better marketer, these are the inspirational stories that will help us change the way we think and approach B2B marketing one conversation at a time. This podcast is brought to you by I'm Black Consulting, helping you to stand out in the market and drive revenue to your B2B business. And now your host, Christian Klepp. All right, folks, welcome everyone to this episode of B2B Marketers on a Mission. This is a show where we help you question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I'm joined by someone on a mission to help B2B companies to revolutionize the art of social selling. I'm a great fan of his. He knows it. I've been listening to his show. I've had the honor of being interviewed by him, and now it's his turn. So coming to us from Alpharetta, Georgia, Brandon Lee, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Christian. I've been looking forward to this. We always have great conversations, so this will be fun. Absolutely, absolutely, Brandon. But you know what? I'm a tad bit disappointed today because you do not have a cigar with you. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't do that in video. You know, that's that's kind of. Sh- okay. Yeah. I have a group of guys that I get together with once or twice a month, and I enjoy a cigar here and there. Fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Well, Brandon, it's great to have you on the show, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation because, man. Not only is this a pertinent to B2B marketers, it's also pertinent to sales. This is a term, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's been so like overused or like loosely used and often misinterpreted. And I think yeah. uh, one of the great things about today's conversation is we're going to help clear the air and demystify all of these things around uh, social selling, right? Let's so, do it. Let's do it. Let's dive in. So. Okay, so as I said, for this conversation, let's focus on this topic of how to create trust, credibility, and drive revenue with social selling the right way. And I'm going to say that again, the right way, because we've seen so many folks on different platforms doing this the wrong way. But let's kick off the conversation with this question. Why do you think the trust factor is such a challenge in B2B? And we had a conversation (laughs) about this earlier before I hit record. Oh, man, you know, it's trust. Look, trust in sales is at an all time low. Um, And that means trust in marketing, trust in brand awareness, trust in everything is really at an all time low. And, you know, the data right now, then with asking buyers about their buying experience, 78% of buyers said they would prefer a salesperson list buying process. Now, that is not a testament to anything other than the fact that trust in salespeople, uh, the culture for perceived culture of salespeople is just in an all time low. And I believe that both sides of the aisle, sales and marketing, are responsible for it because we, in the last call it 10 years, give or take, we have bombarded customers with messages. We have interrupted them. We have pursued them. We've gone in the name of personalization. We've gone in the name of buyer intent data, all of these different tools. But the bottom line is from the buyer's perspective, 
They're being hunted. They're being pursued. It is relentless. And it's just bothering people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, you brought up a couple of keywords there, and I wanted to go back to them. Interruption, right? Because and a lot of people have said this on LinkedIn, so I can't claim to be the one that has come up with this originally. But anything that is not relevant to somebody else's work or helping them to achieve their goals is an interruption. Right. Right. And the fact that sales and marketing people collectively and independently are responsible for this trust gap. That is so true. And um, I wanted to go back to that one about the 78%. So let me just repeat that one. 78% of buyers prefer to have a salesperson-less experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you would think it would be the other. I mean, it should be the other yeah. way. If, yeah. a huge if, mm. if salespeople were doing what they were supposed to do, Yep. from a buyer's perspective, be informed, be knowledgeable, help me think of things I haven't thought of, mm -hmm. help me see things that are coming at me that I, I may yep. not be aware of, help me with solutions. All of those things that salespeople, in my opinion, used to do a lot better before the internet, it's still what buyers want, but most salespeople don't do it because they're trying to move fast, I think a lot of it is culture problems within companies. They got these 30-day, 60-day, 90-day pressure. And what becomes the norm in the culture is quantity over quality. And that has just contributed to this big gap between what buyers really want and expect and what most sales organizations deliver. Absolutely, absolutely. And on that note, that's a great segue into a follow-up question. In fact, two follow-up questions I had for Next you, Brenda. And you're not going to have any problem answering these. Let's clear the air a little bit here, shall we? Social selling. In simple terms, please tell us what it is yeah. and what it isn't. And number two is when we're talking about the trust gap, how does social selling help to fill that gap? Yeah. Remind me all the questions there, because there's sure. a lot. Like we could Absolutely. probably take up all of our time just on that conversation. Yeah. Look, I think in a in a big broad term, social selling is about brand awareness. It's it's a communication channel. It's a networking tool. Gosh, remember when we used to call these things social networks, not social media? Um, it's an it's a networking tool. What it shouldn't be is a substitution for spam email. And that's what most people have started using it for. There's all these automation tools that are technically break the LinkedIn terms and services. However, there's lots of companies out there that have it. And what that means, I mean, gosh, Christian, you and I, before we press record, we're chatting a little bit about this. What it means is that we get... Um, they'll put a bunch of people into a list, they'll set a, a sequence with it, and it'll fire off. And most of the time, what people perceive social selling is, is send a cold connection request, send a message and tell them how awesome I am and ask for a meeting. It's a two-step process. What it should be is engaging with people, sharing valuable content that does three things. It's got to educate, it's got to entertain, and it's got to engage. And if it doesn't educate, entertain, and engage, 
Your audience isn't going to care about it anyway. But we've got to be doing those two things. We have to share content and we have to engage with our audience. And I know there's a there was a bunch of questions in there, but here's here's really where I think it's it's so important for companies and especially the C-suite who traditionally has just not had time for LinkedIn. Number one, um, we're, I was just, we were recording our show and um, we were talking about employee advocacy and recruiting. And Mick Adam, who out of Belgium, who was our guest, was sharing that he had a workshop for eight people that were CXOs. And it was gonna be on LinkedIn. And he said, six of them said, why am I worried about LinkedIn? I'm not looking for a job. So if you're in a C-suite, you're on the you're head of marketing, wow. yeah. and you're thinking that, hey, this LinkedIn thing is all about resumes or job searching. Look, LinkedIn is about recruiting. I know there's a lot of companies out there right now that are struggling with recruiting and filling seats. If your CEO or someone on your C-suite is not consistently on LinkedIn, creating content, sharing about the business, you know, interviewing employees, have your employees on your LinkedIn accounts, have employees sharing each other's posts and demonstrating what your culture is of your company, and you're going to be picking up the bottom of the barrel employees. LinkedIn, the social, I'm going to say the social selling, the selling part is you're selling your company to new employees, you're selling your company to new customers, you're selling your company to your existing employees for retention, you're selling it to your existing customers for renewals and deeper wallet share. All of this is about creating a culture of your business that people want to be around. I mean, you know, what you brought up in the past couple of minutes also speaks uh, volumes to the uh, issue of filling that trust gap, right? Yeah. And also about like, you know, you, you brought up recruiting and that's such a pertinent topic. I mean, I'm sure you're, you guys are facing the same problem on your side of the fence, but um, they just announced in the news today that um, certain cities in Canada have to reduce the number of flights to the United States because they just don't have enough people, right? to, um, to fly work the, the planes, flights. to work yeah. the flights, um, to work at the airports. I mean, this is, a, this is a problem that's been going on for three years now, thanks to COVID, but and that problem hasn't gone away now that everything's reopened. Yeah, I think, look, social should be viewed as the, the tool that is differentiating you from the rest of your competition. I mean, we're in 2023 and there's a lot of companies that use it really, really well. But the reality is most companies still don't. They don't have a comprehensive plan around using social media for communicating with the world. Again, that could be with the, the new employees. It could be with existing clients, it could be with new clients. But in 2023, if you're not using this strategically for all of those key areas of your business, you are missing out on what's probably the most cost-effective and most effective tool that you can use. And it just takes a little bit of thought, energy, focus, systems, 
just like any other area of your business. It's no different. It just needs added attention. And I think the key there is getting the C-suite out of thinking that LinkedIn is for resumes and resumes only. No, I'm really glad you brought those up. I mean, first of all, like not having a plan and then, you know, getting the C-suite to change their mindset. Let's jump on that a little bit more if, if we can. And also please add on some other mistakes and misconceptions that yeah. you see out there. Yeah, you know, I, I think, thanks for that, Christian. I think yeah. that, you know, a lot of times I'll talk to C-suite that says, oh yeah, our marketing team's all over social media. I used to go, oh, that's great. And now I ask a lot more questions because I don't know what the heck that means, right? They say, oh yeah, our, our marketing team has told us that we have a social media plan. And generally it's going to mean that social, they're going into LinkedIn maybe once a week and they post something that is much more like a brochure than something that's educating or entertaining or engaging their audience. It's much more of a brochure. Look, I've worn the CMO hat. I've worn the CRO hat. I've worn a CEO hat. I don't mean this to knock marketers. I know your audience is very much marketers, but a lot of marketers still tend to think like a bullhorn. Yep. We are going to go tell them yep. about something. We're going to go tell them how wonderful we are about something. Absolutely. And here's the hard reality right now. And this is for my company, your company, everyone else's company. You may not want to hear it, but no one cares. They just don't care. And there's too much noise. There's too much content. There's too many phone calls. There's too many emails. There's too much work to do because we haven't recruited enough people to fill the seats for people to take the time to even care about that type of message. So we have to be much more intelligent about capturing people's attention. And it really comes down to, is it something that's valuable to them? I know the terms buyer-centric versus seller-centric just get used pretty flippantly these days. But if companies are not really taking an honest look at what do my buyers need to understand and what do they need to believe in order to want our product and speak to them in those terms versus, well, look at all of our cool features. Look at all the cool things that we can do. Oh, let me show you all of our logos, right? Of course, we don't show all the logos. We only show the real impressive ones, right? I remember this as an example. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> uh, Anthony Inarino, uh, you know, famous author, speaker, all that, phenomenal human being on top of that. He was a guest on our show and he gave the example, said, you know, you get two different organizations coming in to sell. And generally they come in and they do their pitch on the first day and the second group comes in, they do their pitch on the second day. And then you go ask the people that were in the buying, you know, the buying team, hey, what was the difference? They're going to be like, well, um, the guy, the first guy was was taller. And I think the second guy had like a red logo, right? Why is that? It's because most people go in and this is whether it's a presentation, it's your social media content, it's your emails, whatever. It's all about us. And we should all know by now that when we talk about ourselves, people just, they start thinking about their to-do list. 
They start thinking about what they're going to have for dinner. They start thinking about a bunch of other things. And we're trained. We smile. We shake our head. But we really don't care. Man, you really hit the nail on the head there. And uh, might I, uh, um, I love the posts where, oh, look, our CEO was interviewed, right? Yes. Or we're at this, we're at this trade conference or this, uh, or this right. uh, trade show. Um, come and say hi. Yeah. Now, your CEO is on video consistently interviewing customers, talking about what's coming in the future, That's different. talking about anything like that. And then you share something about, oh, by the way, he's going to be on the show or, oh, he's on the floor at our, in a booth at this conference. Well, now you got people paying attention because they know him or her, right? Yep. They've Absolutely. seen him. They've heard him. That CEO has been pouring value into them. Now they're going to pay attention to that stuff. But when you just do this, you know, random, random post stuff and think, oh, everybody's got to go share this because we're at a conference now. Your audience doesn't care. You haven't taken care of your audience enough for them to pay attention. And therefore, you don't get the likes. You don't get the comments. You don't get the shares. You don't get diddly squat. That's absolutely and right. then and then get this and then people throw their hands in the air and they go oh social selling doesn't work when it becomes a random act of posting no strategy not giving to your audience no consistency well you're right social media sucks it just doesn't work it's not a magic bullet it's not a magic wand and i know with marketers we have a plan we have a strategy in 2023 you better take a look at it because posting to your corporate pages is views are way down because buyers don't trust your brand messages. They just don't. Cause what are you going to say? Something negative, unless your brand content is pouring into them. Here's tasks that, you know, here's techniques, here's this, here's that, here's what's coming. Here's what you should know. Unless it's that type of content, they don't care. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to move us on to the next question and we can go pretty deep with this one, but just please uh -oh. skim, skim the surface a little bit, okay. if you will. Okay. Um, here comes the understatement of the year. Um, the landscape has changed for B2B buyers. Yeah. So from your perspective and your experience, how has the world of B2B buyers changed? And here's the follow-up question. How can marketers help sales to adapt to these changes yeah. using social selling? Yeah, so I look, I, I like to call it the buyers have a circle of trust. Mm -hmm. you know, re remember the movie Meet the Fockers? And he's like, the circle of trust, right? The crazy dad. Buyers have their circle of trust. And we're all on the outside until we're invited into their circle of trust. And how we get invited is what is important and what we can control. So everybody think about your own social media work, your own digital efforts, your own phone, like and what you do on your phone. Right? We can accept connection requests. We can unfollow any page we want. We all have very simple buttons. I mean, my iPhone on every email that comes in that's newsletter, I have a little button right at the top. I can just unsubscribe from there, right? We have all this information that comes into us and we, we have all these methods to keep it out. 
unsubscribe. We have voicemail. We don't have to answer calls. I even have a filter thing on my phone that tells me it's a suspected spam or a telemarketer. Like, they never have to answer that, right? So how it's changed is, I think in the early, and I, I'm going to use numbers like 2010 and 2020, but roundabout areas. Around 2010, we started really getting into email marketing, inbound marketing, landing pages, and giving away white papers for free. And buyers were like, sweet, free information. What they didn't know is that they were going to get lambasted with messages for the next 60 days because they downloaded a white paper. Look, when, when we download something, we're in research mode. It doesn't mean I raised my hand and said, please bug the shit out of me for the next 60 days because I hit some MQL number that you think is important. I have a company, I love their research. And I don't know how many times I've downloaded something and I will look at my phone. In fact, I've been tempted to do this live. I download something and I'll look at my phone and wait. And within one minute, my phone rings. And I don't even oh. give them my phone number anymore. Wow, that fast? That fast. Now they're a big, big company, yeah. right? I don't want to say their name, but they're a big company. But I'll download it with just my email. And I can even use different emails, but they've got this massive database. And within a minute, my phone rings to see if I'm interested in talking about purchasing. And it's a product I'm never going to purchase. It's not on my radar. It's not something I'm going to use, but I love there. So 2010-ish, we did, we started doing this behavior and we marketers are to blame because we put in all this automation, make sure that we're in front of them and staying, you know, send this message out. Then we throw the lead over to sales and they start pounding the phone and calling them. Because of all that, buyers have said enough and they unsubscribe and they unfollow and all those different things. So the only way that we're going to capture their attention, if they're not answering our calls, they're not responding to our cold emails, they're not following our business page, the only way that we can do it is to be invited into it. And the way that we do that is through valuable content for them, consistent, valuable content for them. And I would even say, Christian, what you do with your with your show, one of the best pieces of content that companies can be doing. Do episodic content. So you're in front of them consistently. You're constantly adding value. Bring on different guests. Create snippets of your content. Use those that you can share. YouTube shorts, put it on TikTok, put it on Instagram, reels, whatever. But the more they see you and it's value-adding content, the more comfortable they are. And then what comes from that is when the calls do come in or the emails do come in, they're much more likely to answer it because they go, Oh, Christian, I know you, or I know your company. I see your, your CEO on all the time, right? It's, we've got to stand out from the sea of sameness. And I'm going to add one more thing to this and then I'll stop. You told me to scratch the surface. Hopefully I'm doing a good job for you. You are, you are. <laughs> the sea of sameness is what we're fighting against. Yeah. Every company looks alike right now. We pound the phones, we pound the emails, we want their attention, we want their attention. The way that we are different is by doing things that other companies are not. And so much of that value is inside of social media. 
And I love to use the term digitally dominant. I call it digital dominance as a strategy. How can we digitally dominate the newsfeed for your industry? It's got to start at the top. The CEO's got to get involved or someone at the C-suite's got to champion it and be, become a personal brand builder in order to become a, a brand builder. But when someone at the top starts demonstrating it, and then we have plans and how we're going to train and coach and lead and provide content and everything for the rest of the rest of the team. You get enough people doing that, you will digitally dominate the newsfeed and you will dominate your competition. Man, those are some really great takeaways. And th thanks so much for sharing that. And um... oh, of course. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. Yeah, you know, your little anecdote made me think about like an experience I had 2018 or 2019. It could have been from that same big company you were talking about who shall not be named. <laughs> but um, anyways, I was I was looking up something on Google as you do and uh, I saw their ebook and I downloaded it. Um, and I'm like, well, there's 10 fields I have to fill out. Ah, okay. I wanted the content bad enough that I obliged and I did that. I entered my phone number and um, it wasn't one minute, but it was about it was about 10. And the guy calls up and says, hey, it's this Christian and I'm so-and-so from this company. Christian, I am literally 15 minutes away from where you are right now. Like, like my office at the time. I can literally like go down there and we can have coffee and we can talk about how you can use this solution. And I'm like, what? wait, what, what, what just happened? Like, <laughs> You didn't realize you were dating, did you? Yeah. I'm like, wait, 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 who are you? What's going on? Oh, you downloaded that ebook. I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't mean that I'm ready to buy. Yeah. Right. And that yeah. went back and forth for about five minutes. And I'm like, listen, man, like, I, I, I don't think that um, this is going to be a very useful phone call for you because I'm not interested. Right. Yeah. And that completely like turned me off to this company. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I went back in there and unsubscribed and all that. Right. So, yeah. So you'd asked earlier is um, why is trust down so much? And it's because of behavior like that. There's there's not a respect for our own process, right? And I get it. There's this tough challenge on sales and marketing these yep. days. Yes. Um, and I, I don't want to dismiss that. Mm. But on the sales side, we've used a lot of technology to really overstep, in my opinion. Yes. And we've lost the trust of buyers so that their their go-to reaction is stay away because we've proven in the last decade that we're not trusted to behave well if if we are invited in in any way shape or form absolutely that's absolutely yeah. right all right so for this next question i call this one the lego approach you know just break it down into its parts so okay. break it down for us brandon in the b2b context what should a good social selling strategy look like? Oh gosh, that's such a huge question. I know, right? Um, I'm just I'm just throwing all these big but, questions at you today. <laughs> yeah, look, I let me let me break it down this way. Sure. I think 
there's there's two key activities that individuals need to view. One of them, everybody knows, and I'll say it and everyone goes, yeah, 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 we know. We need to publish content. But even more importantly, we need to have a commenting strategy and system. Now, why is that the case? When we publish content, 99% of us have no desire to be an influencer. However, it'd be nice to be influential to about 100 to 200 people. But when we publish content, we have no control over who sees it. The algorithm determines that. Maybe the hashtags we put in have something to do with it. And a lot of people have gone down this route of joining pods where you get the same people that comment and you comment on theirs and try to fabricate that and do all those things. But we can't control really who's going to see our content. But when we comment, and this is a strategy that anybody can do, I highly recommend testing it and you'll be blown just right how well it works. I go in in the morning and I comment on my targeted prospects activities first. First thing I do. Why do I do this? Because I can control my activity. I can go to their post. I can go go to their post activity and I can go to their reactions. And if I comment on any of those things, the algorithm sees us being connected. I am in a sense hacking, influencing, whatever word you want to use. I'm influencing the algorithm because of my actions that I can control. Now, once the algorithm sees us connected, and then later, an hour later, something, then I publish content. Number one, my target audience has gotten a notification that says, oh, look, Brandon commented on a post that you commented on. I've influenced the algorithm. And now I've published my content, which gives it a higher likelihood that my post will show up in their newsfeed. My commenting activity also makes a higher likelihood that they're going to click and go see who I am. And what do we do when we go to people's profiles to see who they are? We read a little bit about them, but we also look and see what have they published. So those are at that really high level, publishing and commenting And really, for me, if I could only do one in a day, I couldn't do both, I would do commenting over publishing. Great advice there. And I want to go back to that because, man, it's worth repeating because I think so many people, A, don't understand how this works. And B, because they don't understand how it works, they completely ignore it. The commenting and engaging and how important that is. So, I mean, why, why do you think people don't do it as much or, or, or they just do it the lazy way. Like, love it. Thanks for sharing. I mean, there's something that's completely like, like a nothing burger, right? Yeah. You know, I, I still think, and even though, you know, let's say social media has been around for 15 years, give or take, right. A little bit longer, eh, probably close to 20 now. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, we still carry the imposter syndrome. Yep. We're really worried. Am I going to say something stupid? Am I going to be judged for it? Um, It feels with social media like it's permanent, even though social media has a short, short memory, right? Think about who is 
who was number one in the news two weeks ago or three weeks ago because of some flop that they did might not even remember now like we really do have short terms but um i think the other thing is that commenting and strategically commenting it takes work um there's not i mean not not, not to say shameless plug but the reason I built Fist Bump is there wasn't an easy way to strategically go comment on a sequence or in a system, the same people and over and over. I use bookmarks and I use um, spreadsheets and things like that, but it takes work. And unfortunately, we live in a culture right now where people prefer the easy button. And, you know, if, it, if you have a choice of being efficient or being effective, I'd rather be effective, right? I'd, I'd rather be prospecting 25 people and have a 60% close rate than to be prospecting 200 people and have a 2% close rate. Right? That's, it, it takes effort. It takes work. I think the other thing when it comes to commenting, here's another thing that people don't like to do is educate yourself, read. I mean, 30 minutes a day, read something, listen to something from your industry, because when you do and you're looking at other people's posts, you're now filled with all this ammunition of what to say and what to share and, and how to do it. So it takes work. Read, educate yourself, have something valuable to say, say it, learn a little bit of the strategies on, you know, tagging people and using hashtags or whatever. But here's the thing that I found freaking works. Like I, I can sit here in my home office every day of the week. I, I, I don't, I, I get tired of being alone, but I can sit here every day. I've got conversations with people all over the world. I'm on Zooms and it's all from people I met in the comments. I've got three calls this week with people that I didn't know a week ago, but I went in and commented strategically captured their attention and either they reached out to me or I followed up strategically and reached out for them and said, man, we keep, we're commenting on the same post. We're not yet connected. I'd love to be connected. And would you like to get on a call and get to know each other? When you don't sound like a pitch slap, you don't sound like a, I don't know if I can say this on your show, a douchebag salesperson that's trying to capture attention all the time. Um, I will give you permission to say that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> People want to talk to you. And then it also makes our workday so much fun. It's it's networking, not selling. Yep. It's networking. It's meeting people. It's sharing. It's helping them. And they help you. It's a lot of fun. But you got to show up the right way because the way that you show up is going to determine the way they respond to you. And if you show up like this, they're they're just gonna you know put up their circle of trust. They're gonna keep you out. They're gonna ignore you, ghost you, all of those things. And you show up as a human being, and engage, publish, publish a little bit about who you are as a human being. Don't hide behind your title. Yep. That's when people want to start engaging with you, and it becomes a lot more fun and comes a lot more profitable. Absolutely, absolutely. You reminded me of. Um this one connection I made on LinkedIn um, must've been two years ago now. And I didn't know at the time that she was a B2B marketer. She's based in Switzerland. Uh, we connected because we both uh, a 
answered the same LinkedIn poll, and the poll was about how many languages you speak, right? And she looked at mine, and she saw that I also speak, uh, you know, besides German, and I'm learning French, and I and I learned Mandarin, but I speak Filipino as well, right? Don't you and speak she Russian of, too? No. Oh. No. Um, and she, but this person does. Right? Okay. So the person that connected with me, um, well, she, you know, she's, she's, uh, her husband's Russian, but she actually grew up in Indonesia. So we had that Southeast Asian connection. And yeah. That's how we connected. Right. We connected yeah. on LinkedIn. We jumped on a couple of Zoom calls and now we're, you know, now we're good friends. Yeah. Right? But um, it's, it's going back to your point about like, you know, showing up the right way, being, well, not just strategic, but uh, being thoughtful and intentional. Right. Yes. Can can I share about a, a post? This is this Please. is a post that I did that opened my eyes to the value of more personal type content. Now I want to I want to say this isn't Facebook type content. I'm not saying yeah. take a picture of your plate and show where you're at for dinner and yeah. you know don't do oh you know here's my new car oh I'm so blessed I got a new car like none of that. Well, my favorite so, is I'm in business class again, right? Like. Yes. You know, but so it was a Saturday morning. I was up. It was not early, early, but it was kind of early. And I was working on my laptop and um, I heard a motorcycle come up our driveway. And we have kind of a long driveway, not like a mile or anything, but we've got a, a long driveway. And I'm thinking, who's who's coming, who's on a motorcycle coming up to our house, especially on a Saturday morning. Now, as you know, we have five kids and I kind of went through this mental game of going oldest daughter. Does she know anybody? Second oldest daughter, you know, I'm kind of going through the list and I'm walking over and I get to the front and we have a glass front door and I look out and I start laughing to myself because it's our 10 year old neighbor on his little dirt bike and I opened the door and he opens up his old mask on his, he's got his helmet and he pulls up his mask and he goes, hi, Mr. Lee, can Zoe come out and play? And Zoe was eight at the time and I'm dying. I'm laughing because I had this whole story going up. I'm thinking it's like, does Maddie and Kate or Abby or Beckham have friends? You know, I'm going through all the, all the, you know, 10 year old Devin, our next door neighbor, Zoe's buddy. And I snap a picture and I go and I post it on LinkedIn and I'm laughing going, oh my gosh, you're not going to believe what happened. Da, 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 da. And here's happened. For me, it took off. I mean, it was like 65,000 views, like almost 400 comments. I don't know how many likes, but one person that commented on it was a second connection. I had never met her before in my life. She was a CMO of a bank and she uh, commented Oh my gosh, if that happened with us, my husband would have died. Well, I comment back, you know, I'm a dad of four daughters and, you know, and she comments and I comment and then I send her a connection request. She accepts it. I send her a message. She sends one back. We chit chat. I'm now friends with the CMO of this bank, of a regional bank, big regional bank, right? Hey, that's a win. Right. right? So. <laughs> How long would have or could have or even been possible if I was cold calling her, I was sending her cold emails, Zero. anything like that to get her attention? Zero. Right. Zero. Now, I'll share another another quick story because I, I like emphasizing this for people when it comes yeah. to commenting and publishing. 
we get to demonstrate our humanity. We get to demonstrate who we are as a human being, not hide behind our title. And before anybody thinks, oh, it's LinkedIn, it's not personal, bull. Business is personal. It's always been personal. This is why we take people to dinner. This is why we take them to lunch. We go to coffee. We show up their office with the box of donuts, whatever it is. Most of the time that we have conversations with people, the vast majority of that conversation starts, ends, or is dominated by human conversation. How's your family? What'd you do this weekend? Oh, you went hiking. That's great. Where did you go? My family and I like hiking. We're always looking for ways to connect with people. LinkedIn is a way that you can connect with people. You give them a little bit of a glimpse into who you are as a human being at scale. So I have a, a client of ours that uh, was a cyclist. And he nervous, nervous. Do I do this? I don't know. I've you know never done this before. Always hid behind his title, hid behind oh the book I've written, all of our accolades. Finally, started doing a little bit more. He had a picture of him on his uh, top of a mountain, holding up his bike over his head. He's a cyclist, and he's telling the story about how he overcome overcame a serious injury to be able to do this ride that had been on his bucket list. Flooded with comments flooded with congratulations comments. Well, one of his ideal customers who he had been trying to get their attention for years and never responded, commented. Why? He's a cyclist too. Bonded over cycling, easy conversation to get from there and go down the path of a sales opportunity. I said both those stories for this. You asked about what social selling is. You asked about what social selling isn't. You asked why we lost trust. It's because we tend to hide behind our titles, act like everything's perfect, and send out messages to demand their attention. And it's not the way humans behave. Take the way you behave in real life at a networking event and duplicate or mimic that inside of LinkedIn. Fantastic, fantastic. Those are great stories, man. Thanks for sharing that. Of course. Um, in the interest of time, I'm gonna slowly start wrapping Sorry. this up, but um, I'll, I'll throw two more questions your okay. way before I let you go, okay? Okay, Brandon, you got it. This I'm show, thank you, thank you. This show is also very much about uh, actionable tips, okay? So let's appreciate, and you've talked about it now in the last, you know, couple of minutes and so forth. But um, let's appreciate that you can't do all of this in, you know, in a day, and it's not an app that you can download, and you've got like all these instant results. But if somebody were listening to the show who's a B two B marketer who's thinking about doing social selling, yeah, what are like three to five things that they can do right now? Yes, um, number one, ask sales what content would be best for their customers. Number two, go ask your buyers. What are they concerned about? Um, I would ask the question with buyers and say, if, if you could tell us what content to create for the next six months, what type of content would you like us to provide you? Something along those lines, because they're gonna tell you what they need and if you give them what they need, whew, 
you've you've become a trusted advisor because you've demonstrated by giving trusted advice. So I'd ask sales because they know. And here's the other thing as marketers, and we just have to be realistic with ourselves. Marketers, we we tend to speak at people, right? From the old days of we were the ones that created brochures, we created um, banners, we create graphics for the for the conference, we create flyers, direct mail, all that stuff. We're used to talking at people. Salespeople are used to talking with people. They're trained to listen and respond, and our content should be the same. We should be listening and responding to give them what they need and what they want. I know time is there, so I'm stopping there. If you want more, I'll keep going. Absolutely. No, I think I, I no, I think these are good. These are great yeah. to start with. I mean, like, first of all, asking sales like what content content they need. Well, not that not that they need, that their customers would need, yeah. right? And that their customers would find useful. Also talking to the buyers. That's such a that's such a great piece of advice. In in, in extending that, asking salespeople, hey, if we created content for you to share. What content that would be, what would that be that makes you look good to your buyers? Yes. Right? Because that's it. All these employee advocacy programs, I mean, I think they have great intentions, but most of the marketers I talk to will say, oh, yeah, but they just won't share it. No, it's not that they won't. They don't want to. And it's because the content doesn't serve them or their customers very well. So ask them those questions. Exactly. Exactly. And by doing that, it's going back to your point early on in the conversation, right? It's building that trust, right? Giving them what they need, right? Yeah. Bottom line, I'd say this is if your goal is to become a trusted advisor or perceived as a trusted advisor, yeah. then you need to focus on what is the advice that I can give that's trustworthy. You have to demonstrate being a trusted advisor by giving trusted advice. And if you're not doing that, you're never going to get trusted advisor status. It's going to prevent the leads coming in. It's going to hurt salespeople from getting their leads. You're going to create that fraction even more between sales and marketing. Because if sales doesn't look at you as benefiting them, then they're going to ignore you and everything you ask them to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, Brandon, if you know we were doing this in person, I would fist bump you. No, fist no, bump. Great no, right there, yeah, no pun intended, but... Yeah. Man, we could go on and on and on about all of this, but thank you so much for coming on the show My and for pleasure. sharing your expertise and experience with the listeners. So please, quick introduction to yourself and how folks out there can get in touch with you. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate that. Look, um, Brandon Lee on LinkedIn. Uh, Brandon Lee Digital is my handle. You can also find me on the Social Selling 2.0 which is our live show and podcast. We recently hit number one on Apple for shows on social selling, which is well huge. Um, uh, but it's also the social selling 2.0 is also our consulting brand where we, um, everything from, we have a, a done for you program where we take the C-suite, we take a CEO and build out a plan for them to become a thought leader and build the company culture. It helps them with, recruiting and client retention and all that stuff but uh social selling 2.0 and then um, my two technology companies on the employee advocacy side is funnel amplified and on the social selling execution platform is fistbump thank you for letting me tell a little bit about myself and thanks for having me as a 
as a guest. I always love our conversations, Christian. Likewise, likewise, and my pleasure. And I'll be sure to drop all those links in the notes. And, um, you know, thanks again for coming on the show, Brandon. And uh, take care, stay safe, and talk to you soon. Thank you, Christian. All right, bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.